Boy, do I love when the Big 12 gets to whoop up on the SEC. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I hope you are having a great holiday week. And, and before we dive into it, leave us that rating and review on the show. It helps us tremendously as we go into 2021. I want to thank you for what has been a great 2020 it's because of you. I wasn't sure what 2020 was going to look like when COVID hit. We got through it better, stronger than ever with hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on all of our content. That's because of you. So leave that rating and review on the show. It helps us more than you realize. Send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I've got a free Heartland College Sports koozie waiting for you. All right. Enjoy it. I don't think anybody's having a better holiday week than the Oklahoma Sooners after that smackdown of the Florida Gators in the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday night. Wow, that was uh, that was really impressive stuff. So I want to start there because, you know, we're going to have a, a bowl recap podcast on Sunday. We'll talk about the bowl season for the Big 12, what it means, and we'll go through some of the games. But I didn't want to wait until that podcast to talk about what the beatdown of the Florida Gators really meant, uh, not just for the Oklahoma Sooners, but for the entire Big 12 Conference. You know, this is a chance. I always think that uh, these bowl games are chances for conferences to stack up against each other a little bit. Now, what the SEC fanboys say, and I've talked to a lot of them, all right, what they say is, oh, the bowl games don't matter because, you know, SEC teams aren't as motivated because – well, you know, I mean, they're the SEC, and if uh, the SEC runner-up's not in the college football playoff, they just don't care because it's all about the college football playoff and nothing more. That's all that they care about. That's the only thing they give a rip about. It's such a cop-out. It is such, such, such a cop-out. I got to pull up a tweet uh, from Brett McMurphy. It was very, very good. It was sarcastic. It had to be. I mean, you Brett McMurphy's not typically uh, a man of sarcasm, but I got to give it to him here. When he tweeted out last night, little known fact, an SEC team has never lost a bowl game that it really cared about playing in. That's what the SEC does. They tell you when they get blown out, like what happened to Florida against Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, we didn't care. We don't want to be here. A bunch of our guys opted out. You know, what's the big deal? Uh, yeah, they had some big-time receivers opt out. But let's be honest. Those uh, early interceptions from Kyle Trask, the Florida quarterback, who somehow is a Heisman Trophy finalist, I mean, figure that one out. Those were his fault, as far as we can tell. Those were not his receivers' faults, okay? Those were his fault. Just own it. Just own it. And you could tell, by the way, the Oklahoma Sooners were acting after the game, uh, how pumped up they were. The tweets that were coming down after the game from the Oklahoma players were just gold. I mean, last week, Florida linebacker James Houston uh, said on Oklahoma, quote, Oklahoma's a good matchup, but they're not on our level. They're not SEC. They're not the Florida Gators. How did that work out for you, big fella? Didn't work out too well. And guess what? The Oklahoma Sooners reminded him as much after the game, uh, Spencer Rattler tweeting, it was a good matchup. Brian Asamoah tweeting out, he was right. We're not on the same level. Ronnie Perkins tweeting out, they good players but can't help 55 points. Marcus Hicks, that's why you play at OU. 
uh, Delarian Turner Yell just tweeting out a dead alligator upside down in a swamp. A picture of that. Oh, that was that was so good on so many levels from some of the Oklahoma players. You can tell they took this thing personally. Very, very personally. And you know what? They have every right to. Every right to, based on how things had gone down leading up to this game. And uh, that's why, you know, I, I really do love how it seems like the Big 12 comes around and roots for each other in the non-conference and in bowl games, as it should. I've been saying that for a very long time. Big 12 teams across the board should be rooting for other Big 12 teams in non-conference play and in bowl games. And let the SEC fanboys and their college football media buddies at the national level defend them and say, oh, they were missing so-and-so. Let them do it. Let them do it. And just let your results prove itself on the field. And guess what else? You know, I was thinking about this watching the game on Wednesday night. I believe that this Oklahoma team would beat the just the crap out of Notre Dame right now on a neutral site. I firmly believe that. And after the game, Lincoln Riley said, quote, we played a full schedule, won our conference, just hung 55 points on the SEC runner-ups. You can't tell me these guys didn't deserve a playoff spot over Ohio State. You know, you can make the case, certainly Ohio State, oh, six games. Well, we think they're good. Six games. College football playoff committee is a joke. It's been a joke since its inception, since it screwed uh, Baylor and or TCU, depending on who you thought should have been in out of those two in that first college football playoff. And I believe right now this Oklahoma team is playing, and I said it, going into the college football playoff uh, selection Sunday show. If you're doing this based on who is playing the best football in the country right now, Oklahoma's a top four team. The loss to Kansas State still makes you shake your head, even though Oklahoma was a different team back then. Still, it makes you shake your head. Uh, but boy, I mean, this team is playing and was playing some of the best football in the country, and you saw that play out in real time in the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday night. So don't let anybody else tell you, oh, boy, you know, Florida didn't care to be there. Even if Florida had a couple of key players missing, it had its Heisman finalist quarterback on the field. A lot of it's solid defensive players, and it got smoked. It wasn't even close. 55 to 20. Not, not 40 to 35. Not 24, 21. 55 to 20. And it was 55 to 13 until that garbage time touchdown from Florida. So just, just remember that. Uh, the Big 12 starting off its bowl season 3-0. Getting wins over the Pac-12, Texas blasting uh, Colorado, Oklahoma State held on against Miami, and, um, you know, there's still a few games left, and we'll talk about those on Sunday, but I'll tell you what, uh, you've got to be very happy if you're a Big 12 fan, which had a bad non-conference. We know the non-conference did not go well with some of those Sun Belt losses in week one, all right? It was a bad look for the conference. It put the conference behind the eight ball. It gave Big 12 haters uh, a reason to knock the Big 12 again. This conference is playing good defense. It's not an offense-only conference. Look at what's going on at Oklahoma. Look at what's going on at Iowa State, West Virginia. Heck, Oklahoma State's defense, 
Dave Aranda is going to be building up that defense at Baylor. I firmly believe that. At TCU, Gary Patterson played some of the best defense in the second half of the season of any team in America based on the analytics. And, of course, I think Texas. And let's spend a couple of minutes on Texas here. I, there's more I want to get into on Sam Ellinger later in the show. But I'll, I'll tell you what. This Texas team did to Colorado what I expected it to do against Colorado. Our pick started off 3-0 and against the spread. I had the Big 12 teams covering each of these games. They did that. But I'll tell you what. Uh, yes, there are some questionable play calls you can talk about. Why didn't Bijan get the ball more? Blah, blah, blah. You can do all that. But they rolled Colorado 55-23. Um, and there was a lot of talk about, oh, the Texas guys have opted out. The young guys, as you saw against Kansas State a couple of weeks ago, the young guys are fired up for their turn. They're fired up for their time. Bijan Robinson is leading the way in that category. Uh, I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. Unbelievable what he did. 12 carries, 220 yards, and three touchdowns. The MVP of the Alamo Bowl on Tuesday night for the Texas running back. If Tom Herman just starts beating the daylights at a team he's supposed to beat, I mean, that's half the battle. One of the things that I understand why it infuriated Texas fans and boosters the last few seasons under Tom Herman, it's just it's not that he doesn't beat Oklahoma. He's one and four against Oklahoma, but it's that his team plays down the competition. All right, that's that's the reality for Texas under Tom Herman. It has played down the competition. However. To Tom Herman's credit, the last couple of games, K-State and Colorado, games where, you know, you can argue the job may have been on the line, he blew out inferior opponents. If Tom Herman just starts doing that and keeps the ball rolling with this unit, with this young group of guys that I think has a real chance to do damage in 2021, uh, this team has serious potential. And I've said it many times on this show, I'm not the biggest Tom Herman fan. I've made that very clear. But I believed... Unless Serban Meyer was going to come to Austin, he deserved to remain the head coach. You're seeing some of that talent play out the last couple of games, and I think it will continue uh, moving forward into 2021. All right? That's that's where we stand on that. Uh, but coming up, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the Big 12 basketball season that is getting underway. Well, it's underway, but now that we move on from football, it's going to be picking up steam here in the new year. Our guy Matthew Postens will join us. We'll dive into the Big 12 basketball season with him coming up next. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. And by the way, guys, just a uh, few days left in the football season. Then it's basketball season in the Big 12. Basketball's already underway, but either way, you get the point. You've got Texas, Kansas this weekend. And if you want to make a wager, I will note our Big 12 bowl picks are 3-0 and so far. We hit Oklahoma State. We hit Texas. We hit Oklahoma. 3-0 in the bowl picks against the spread. Uh, get in at mybookie.com, where with the promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, you get a 100% sign-up bonus on your deposit. They're a huge and super important partner for us here at heartlandcollegesports.com. And uh, you can get on board at mybookie.com, use that promo code BIG12, BIG12, and they double your money. You don't have to unlock it. They just double the money for you. And, uh, you know, what a time to do it with the college football season wrapping up, college basketball starting, and the NFL playoffs right around the corner, right? We all love the NFL, dabble in the NFL. More of a college guy, but I dabble in the NFL. Week 17 games, and then, of course, the playoffs are here. 
So get in at mybookie.com with the promo code BIG12, BIG12 for that 100% sign-up bonus. Get on it, guys. Well, as the uh, Big 12 football season starts coming to a close, we, of course, are gearing up for basketball, which has been underway, but now is really going to be in the spotlight. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com, of course, is the site. We welcome on a guy who knows uh, Big 12 basketball, I believe. Yes, I'm biased, but I firmly believe, as well as anybody in the country, he's Matthew Postens. He's joining us on the show, as we'll plan to do each and every week here uh, throughout basketball season Okay, Matthew, let's start with that 30,000-foot view here. Uh, This conference has five teams now ranked in the top 15. That's half the conference. It is uh, looking like it's going to be a heck of a year. What what does that depth mean for this conference in terms of what this season is going to look like moving forward? I think if you look at the first month or so, I really kind of feel like there's a a tier. There are really three tiers in this conference right now. And to me, it's Baylor – Kansas, Texas, and West Virginia. They're all in that first tier. The beginning of the season, I really thought it was going to be Baylor and Kansas and everybody else. Everybody else was kind of just, you know, in that big group below them. But Texas and West Virginia have really separated themselves over the first month of the year to where I think it's those four teams right now that are the four best teams in the conference. And there's not a ton of difference between them, although I think Baylor is probably the deepest and most talented team of the bunch. Then you get the Texas Tech, who's the other ranked team you mentioned. Oklahoma, they played a really close game the other night uh, before Big 12 play took a pause. So I think they're in that group along with TCU, which is really, I really feel like they're kind of a sleeper team in this conference. Not necessarily to win it, but they're good enough to make a lot of trouble for people. And Oklahoma State, which has a really young roster, one of the best freshmen in the country, and Cade Cunningham, that's your second tier. And then after that, it's Kansas State and Iowa State, two teams who are probably going to struggle a lot this year. Kansas State's really young, and they've got a lot of really interesting talent, but they need time to develop it. Iowa State lost a lot of transfers like Kansas State did a year ago, and they're cycling through new talent. So those are really kind of your three tiers right there. But that race between Baylor and Texas and Kansas and and West Virginia, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch because I think those four teams – could really end up beating up on one another and, you know, might end up opening up some avenues for Texas Tech and Oklahoma and even Oklahoma State to, you know, maybe end up in the top five, depending upon how much they beat up on each other. Matthew, I want to focus on one of those teams. Uh, Well, we'll talk about them all here in the next few weeks, but Texas right now, that to me, I know you expected them to be good, uh, but top 10 team in the country has probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations thus far. I think back to, what, February, March, we're talking about whether or not Shaka Smart should keep his job. And I see kind of some parallels to Shaka Smart, Tom Herman. Tom Herman hangs on to his job. Can he have the 2021 that Shaka Smart looks like he's about to have? What is working for Texas? Is it finally these young guys that have been recruited to Austin finally shining and strutting their stuff? Is it teamwork, cohesiveness? What's made the difference there in Austin? Well, I think the first thing is Greg Brown. We talked about Cade Cunningham. Greg Brown is another one of those talented freshmen. He was a top 10 recruit in the country. He was Texas's only recruit in this class because they had so many scholarship players coming back from last season. He's given them something that I don't think they've really had the last couple of years, which is that really talented, you know, forward that can play outside and inside. I mean, right now he's their second leading scorer, but he's also their leading rebounder. 
He can play outside of the paint. He can play inside of the paint. He gives them a lot of really interesting abilities that I don't think they've had in a player the last couple of years. And what that has done is it's really helped them create some balance on their team. You know, Kai Jones and Jericho Sims can really handle the inside stuff, the rebounding, the shot blocking, and the defending. They still have their great guards on the perimeter and Matt Coleman and uh, Jace Febris and Andrew Jones, who are, are really good scorers and really good defenders. And they're hoping to get Jace Febris back at some point. So they're, they're deep and they're talented, but the insertion of Greg Brown into their starting lineup has sort of balanced out the team to where they're not so guard heavy or not so inside heavy as they were with uh, Mo Bamba a few years ago. That balance is really beneficial to them. And I'm really interested to see when they play Kansas this weekend, you know, how that balance plays out because Kansas has a way of getting you out of balance because of how good they are defensively. He's Matthew Postens. Uh, he's our Big 12 basketball insider here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. So right now you look at that one, two, Matthew, it's Baylor, it's Kansas. I mean, sh- should Baylor be considered the favorite right now? Would you give the edge to Kansas? Is it, uh, what direction would you go on those two teams and who should be favored at this point in time for the uh, big 12 title? I, I wouldn't rule out the two of them splitting their season series like they did last year, or maybe ending up in a tie at the top in the regular season. Yeah. Um, the thing about Kansas is the X factor for them is David McCormick, their inside guy. If he starts playing in big 12 play the way he has played the last couple of games, then they have everything they need to challenge Baylor. If, if McCormick continues to be inconsistent, they're going to have some problems because that means they're going to have to lean more on Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown to be their top rebounders. For Baylor, it's all about their perimeter depth. They just got Adam Flagler back after a couple of games that he missed before the break. You've got Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, uh, Macy Oteague, uh, Mark Vital, uh, who's one of the best, you know, just indispensable players in the conference because of the way he rebounds. Uh, their perimeter strength is so dominant uh, in this conference. They have the best perimeter group of players in the league. And now they're developing their inside game with uh, Flo Thamba and Jonathan Chachmachaba. Uh, I cannot pronounce his last name. I have to like practice 30 times before I can pronounce <laughs> it. But, but, but he's coming off the bench and he's giving them some really good uh, play. Uh, he's had a couple of double doubles. I think they probably should put him in the starting lineup at some point. But between him and Thamba, they can approximate what Freddie Gillespie gave them last year. They don't really have a big guy like David McCormick, but they don't really need a big guy because of the way they can shoot outside, the way their guards can pick up the rebounding, and the way Jared Butler can score. Matthew, as you look at the uh, bottom of this conference, I want to specifically touch on a couple of these teams that have struggled so far. Uh, Kansas State, Bruce Weber, uh, what, what's going on there? And just the, the bottom of this conference, we talk in football how difficult it is to dig yourself out of the basement when you've got a true round robin. In basketball, you have a double round robin. Uh, do you think that's similar on, on the basketball side of things, or is it easier uh, to, to get that rebuild done, like what Bruce Weber's trying to do at Kansas State just as an example, and Iowa State for that matter? Yeah, I think it's a two-year process, and I think TCU is kind of proving that. TCU had this problem um, two years ago. They lost a ton of guys to transfer, uh, four or five of them, and they had to bring in some transfers, recruit. Um, you know, deal, you know, they had Desmond Bain, which kind of helped you know get them back to 500. But they really spent last season developing that talent, and now you're seeing on the floor this season. Um, they didn't have any guys that really transferred away. They took in a couple of transfers who can play. Uh, some of the freshmen they developed are starting to really contribute, like P.J. Fuller. Their true freshman, Mike Miles, is playing really well. R.J. Nemhard, 
looks really good. Looks like, looks like he can be a number one scorer on this team. Uh, so now they look like a team that I think will finish above 500 this year. So if you're looking at Kansas State, they had to take in a massive recruiting class because of all the transfers they had. Guys like Davian Bradford, Nigel Pack, um, they've got some really interesting talent on this team. Uh, in fact, Bruce Weber's starting three freshmen in his starting lineup right now. So they're going to take their hits in Big 12 play. So is Iowa State because really their top offensive talent is Rasir Bolton, and they're blending in a couple of transfers to go with the young talent they're trying to develop. So they're both going to take their hits this year. It's going to be next year where I think they, they make their, their strides because then you've got a full year at Iowa State with Xavier Foster, their seven-footer who isn't playing a whole lot right now, but he's got talent and you can see it when he's on the floor and they're going to have to start playing him more in January and February. So TCU, I think showed me it's a two-year process to get your program back to where it is when you absorb all of those transfers. So I don't think, I don't think Bruce Weber is in danger of losing his job. I don't think Steve Prohm is in danger of losing his job yet, but if I'm watching two coaches this season, uh, you know, that are kind of on that quote-unquote hot seat. Those are the two I'm watching because I think their athletic directors are going to be very carefully watching how they develop those teams and how they play throughout Big 12 play. All right, Matthew, we've got a, a minute here uh, before we got to wrap it up. So just give me your thoughts. Texas, Kansas this weekend, what does a matchup like this come down to? Uh, it comes down to whether or not Texas can make that one shot that they haven't been able to make in Lawrence for a long time. You know, they even last year and the year before they went to Kansas and they played Kansas really close, but there was always this, these one or two shots that they just couldn't make that Kansas is able to make at home. It's that home court advantage. You're not going to have a lot of fans in the building because of social distancing. Um, Texas probably has its best team in four years going into Lawrence. They've got to make those one or two shots at the end of the game that they always seem to miss in order to overcome Kansas. I, I think they can do it. I think they have the talent to do it. But if they're not able to, you know, handle Jalen Wilson on the wing, if he's kind of the X factor. We know about Marcus Garrett and those guys. But, you know, if Jalen Wilson goes out there and has a really good game like he did against uh, Crichton and he did against Kentucky, uh, you know, he, he seems to play really well against big-time teams. Uh, if they can't slow him down, they're going to have a lot of trouble. He's Matthew Postens on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Matthew, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, you too. He's Matthew Postens. I'm Pete Mundo. Coming up next, Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com on the K-State Wildcats. So what now for the Texas Longhorns at the quarterback position? I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site as we uh, put a bow on this one and put a bow on 2020. And before we get to that, I wanted to spend a few minutes thanking each and every one of you for listening to this show, whether it is on the radio, whether it's on our podcast, uh, on the website, Wherever it is, uh, this show has grown. Uh, this site has grown exponentially because of you and thanks to you. And I can't thank you enough for that. Uh, every person that you tell about this show, whether it is the radio show in your market in your city or it is uh, driving them to our podcast, Boy, it's been a heck of a year, and I'm just so indebted. I know the rest of our team is indebted to you because without you reading our stuff and listening, none of this exists. Like, I, I, I 
came up with this site covering the Big 12 in a way that nobody else does because I thought there was so much SEC bias in college football media. I, I thought of this six years ago now. And if you told me we'd be doing the numbers that we're doing now with uh, hundreds of thousands of people consuming our content visually, audio-wise, uh, reading it, I wouldn't believe you. I wouldn't. And we haven't done it with some big hedge fund behind us. It's me. I, I mean, it's, it's me. I was the one who put this together. I'm the one who continues to uh, move it forward. And, of course, we've got great people writing for us. And doing great work with us. You hear from them, you know, Derek Duke and Matthew Postens and Dave Beal have been around the longest. We've got some new guys, uh, Joe Matthew, uh, George McCormick, uh, you know, just great guys. I'm forgetting. I'm not forgetting, but I don't want to list everybody right now. But you know some of the new names that are on the website that you read. It's just been such a, a fun process. And this year has been like any other year. We got through this year. And I wasn't sure, you know, when the NCAA tournament gets canceled and football's on the rocks, you wonder if you're going to make it. You know, you seriously wonder, like, what's the point? How long can we have a Big 12 site when there's no Big 12 action happening? But we did it, and it's because of you. So as I always say, if you're a podcast listener, send me a screenshot of your rating and review of the podcast on iTunes to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail because those ratings and those reviews are tremendously important to continuing to organically build this show through the podcast, through the radio. It's enormous, and that's why we have those free koozies we send you when you leave me that rating and review and send me a screenshot of it uh, to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. You might say, oh, I'm not going to do it because what's the point? No, I'm telling you, everyone helps. So thank you for a great 2020. And we are so looking forward to 2021 that is more normal, God willing. We'll have a tournament, even if it's maybe not packed to the gills. I hope it is. It may not be. Who knows? Football in the fall, that'll be, you know, packed stadiums. Once again, God willing. And uh, you're going to be here for the ride. And we appreciate that so very much. We really do. I can't thank you enough. All right, now Sam Ellinger, what does he do? Well, I understand why you might want to come back. But if there's one thing that we saw in that Alamo Bowl game, it's the fact that Casey Thompson looks like he's ready. You might want to say it's a bowl game. You might want to say it's the Pac-12. It's Colorado. You know, who cares? It's garbage time. That dude looked like the real deal. Live arm, good legs. And it just, you know, sometimes you're in a relationship, right? And it might just be a dating relationship, a friendship, and it just feels like the thing has run its course. Nobody, neither side has anything more to gain from continuing this thing. And it feels like that's where we're at with Sam Ellinger, who can come back because the NCAA uh, announced before the season that 2020 is not going to count towards your eligibility. So every senior could theoretically come back. And Tom Herman is saying publicly all the right things. We welcome all our seniors back. But Casey Thompson's been, you know, three years into this program, patiently waiting a red shirt and then two years. Are you going to risk a guy like that transferring? You're going to risk a Hudson card transferring a four or five star guy out of uh, Westlake, of course, right down the road. You're going to risk that. 
I respect what Sam Ellinger did. He helped, and I believe what Sam Ellinger's legacy is going to be. It's not Colt McCoy-esque. We know that. It's not Vince Young-esque. We know that. Those guys played, and one of them won a national championship. But it's going to be a huge part of getting Texas back to being Texas. And I really believe that can happen here in the next couple of years. And I think every Big 12 fan should root for that. It's better for the conference when Texas is playing well. I've said that for years now. So even if you're an Iowa State fan, you should want Texas to be a top 10 team and then just beat them when you play them. That's what you should root for. Any other team in the Big 12 should root for that. Sam Ellinger's legacy is going to be getting Texas back to uh, not championship contention. They never won a Big 12 title with him here, but competing on that level. Because I think we kind of forget how bad it was during the Charlie Strong years, and it was bad. It was, it was you know, really bad by Texas standards. That can't continue. But it just feels like we've hit the ceiling with Sam Ellinger. And the offense needs a little bit of new life, new blood, new mojo. And Casey Thompson accomplishes that. Now, I would have him in a quarterback battle with Hudson Card. I wouldn't make it as easy as handing him the job. I want to see those guys battle it out uh, for the starting job next fall. And, yes, there'll be a couple of young freshman, sophomore moments that these guys have that Sam Ellinger probably would not have had. But it doesn't mean it's not the best thing for Texas as a football program moving forward to take that next step and to really uh, see who's next and how this offense can look a little bit different. Because I think, you know, based on what you're seeing, B. John Robinson and some of the key players coming back on both sides of the ball, this Texas team can compete at the top of the Big 12. So I understand the want to say, well, let's let Sam decide and Sam deserves it. And, uh, you know, he's earned the respect to make this decision on his own. I, I get that. I really do. Really do. But at the risk of the future of the program, I, I can't. I can't get on board with that right now. I really can't do it. So keep an eye on it. It is, I believe, right now the story to watch in terms of how it changes the Big 12 landscape going into 2021, what Sam Ellinger decides to do. I, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he'd make a hell of a coach, by the way. I don't think he's playing in the NFL in any type of substantial way. He may be invited to a camp, and that's probably why he's thinking I could come back to Texas. But, you know what, start your coaching career. Become a GA. Uh, do that whole deal. Uh, I mean, just just sometimes it's just time to take that next step in life, and it feels like that's where it is right now for Sam Ellinger. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. I hope you ring in the new year in a positive way, in a good way. I, you know, 2020 is in the rearview mirror. Thank goodness. It is on to 2021, and things can only uh, go up from here. Enjoy the new year weekend, and if you want to place that wager, do it at MyBookie.com, where the promo code BIG12, BIG12, gets you a 100% sign-up bonus. At mybookie.com and the promo code BIG12, you double your money right out of the gates and you can use it. College, uh, football down the stretch, college hoops, the NFL, the playoffs are around the corner. So get on at mybookie.com, promo code BIG12, BIG12. And don't forget about that rating and review on the podcast. Thank you guys. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you soon.